Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Digitally Uploaded Podcast, the companion podcast to DigitallyDownloaded.net. I'm Matt Sainsbury, the Editor-in-Chief of Digitally Downloaded, and with me this week, we have nobody. <laughs> Absolutely nobody. It's all me by myself. Actually, no, we don't. We have some people. We have Trent. Hello, Trent. Hello. That was awkward. I'm now considering not being here. I'll just hide on my table <laughs> for the duration <laughs> of the podcast. <laughs> That's usually what you do anyway, isn't it? We, <laughs> we, we gag you and throw you down. <laughs> um, we also have Matt. Hello, Matt. Hello. This podcast is getting a bit kinkier than I was expecting. <laughs> it always happens when you're on. It's all your fault, Matt. I blame you. I feel, I feel like it's Alan's fault, really. Yeah, when Alan's not even, here even... to dis- discipline us. <laughs> no, Alan, Alan makes it cursed. Uh, it, it, Matt makes it uh, kinky. Is what I'm understanding. <laughs> yeah. I've been playing too much Final Fantasy VIII and Quistus, the disciplinarian. Too bad it's not kinky anymore because they... They censored it. Censored it, <laughs> it to Helen Beck. Yeah, it's so move that, move that neckline up half an inch. <laughs> I know. It's a completely different Renoa now. You can't you can't enjoy her anymore. No. Um, <laughs> We'll 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 save the conversation about censored stuff for another day, as in never, because it's a boring topic. We'll go to some <laughs> Hatsune Miku music. What are we going to play this week? It was the Miku concert actually last week because it was Miku's birthday and stuff, and they have a big concert in Japan every year. That's the one I've been to. It's pretty good. I'm trying to think what song will we play. Um, um, uh, we'll play Simbon Sakura because that's the easy go-to one when I'm lazy. <laughs>
back, everybody. Okay, so last week was a big week for news for Nintendo because Nintendo did one of its Nintendo Direct things, and that's become pretty much the highlight of the calendar as far as video game news goes. They're getting bigger and bigger, and I don't know, Nintendo's going from strength to strength with its stuff. This Switch console thing is turning out to be a pretty good console. Um, and yeah, they've given up on the 3DS now. They're not supporting that anymore, thank goodness. They've finally moved on. So it's all Switch all the time. And this week we had some pretty big news come. Uh, let's start with you, Trent. Give us you one pick. You get one pick from that show. What was your favorite announcement? One pick. One yeah, pick. one pick. Yeah, just one, one pick. Let's go with... Oh, there's so many to choose from. Just one pick. Oh. Yep. Let's let's go with Animal Crossing because I'm looking at an icon for like the game right now. <laughs> <laughs> yes, so Animal Crossing. What did they show? They showed footage of the game in action, and apparently it's Nook has a new shirt. Nook has yes. a new shirt, and you're yeah. you were you were stranded on a island, <laughs> and you can. What was the exact line? It was something like you can enjoy. A Nook's getaway. It's like a getaway experience in like a deserted island or something. Uh, uh, that's, it was something really weird along the lines of it was a dry, deserted, like, you know, holiday destination. And like when it was like post, we were all like tweeting was, you know, sounds better than Australia. Ah. <laughs> um, yeah, no, it was, it was something like enjoy, enjoy the deserted island life, which to me kind of means starvation, dehydration and sunburn. But, you know, what, what, what would I know? Um Apparently, Animal Crossing is not about starvation, dehydration, and sunburn. Apparently, it's quite the utopia that you get to enjoy, and you can it's enjoy it. It actually friends. rains in Animal Crossing. <laughs> it does. A little bit. I've still never played Animal Crossing, but people keep saying that Nook is like a slumlord. <laughs> is that Nook, true? Nook is the doesn't bad guy. He, he's the bad guy. He's it the doesn't sound like a... A utopian it's, it's, it's how of... you interpret his uh, child labor and uh, clearly seedy uh, practices. You know, he could either be your hero or he could be the most evil villain of all video games. Yeah, so basically Tom Nook gives you your plot a land when you when you show up and um, you don't really get a choice in the matter. He just gives it to you and then says, oh, by the way, now you owe me a whole crap load of money. So go shake down some trees, get some fruit, sell it and give me give me my monies back. So that's basically Tom Nook. Um, and this time around you just get a tent. But I think in the last one you got a tent as well, did you, in New, New Leaf? Not that I remember. I had a house. Like the first thing. I thought you got a tent. Oh, that you got a tent and then maybe the animals got the tents i thought there were tents in the last one like while you wait for your house to be built he gives you a tent i don't remember actually um possibly Mm. but anyway Mm. it's Um, now fact happening (laughs) (laughs) anyway animal crossing uh multiplayer which is cool it looks fun you can fish with friends which is apparently you know well i'll put it this way i'd rather fish with friends and play Fortnite with them so that's a good thing um there's also what else is there to do you buy a lot of crap and fill your tent up with stuff i assume because it's a hoarder's paradise game um really really for the most part it's pretty much animal crossing just on yeah. an island yeah, there's, yeah. like there's, there's some of the new features are like you get a nook phone now so like there's you get like a loaded a bunch of apps and stuff on the phone um and you get like flybys equivalent points for like spending on nook just weird things like that because you're on a getaway destination and you can put 
items and still in your house. You can put them outside around your house as well, like all the same furniture sets. So there's a few new features here and there, but the biggest thing is going to be once it's out, how is that Destination Island going to actually play for diehard Animal Crossing fans? Yeah, yeah, basically. I mean, Nintendo's not going to change Animal Crossing too much because it has a very loyal fan base and they want Animal Crossing when they get Animal Crossing. So I guess the big thing is that it's going to be on the Switch, which is nice. I mean, Switch is good for everything. So it'll be good. Good choice there, Trent. Max, your pick. You get one pick only. Only one. Yeah, well, I gave the rule to Trent. I gave the rule to Trent, so I can't give you, you know, leeway. So, you know, one pick. Even though we have the same name, I don't get get any no, special consideration. I'm not letting you steal my pick. No, you get oh. one pick. <laughs> well, uh, at the risk of stealing your pick, my one pick is if I only get one, it's Tokyo Mirage Sessions coming oh, to Switch. You bastard! That was my pick. <laughs> I thought it uh, might be. <laughs> that's big news. That's, that is, that's, it's, it's huge. We've been calling for that one since basically the Switch was announced. Yeah. So you know when when. Nintendo's been out there saying, oh, we're bringing Bayonetta to the console. Oh, we're bringing, you know, this Wii U, this Wii U game. Um, we've all been saying, where's Tokyo Mirage Sessions? Yeah. And now it's finally coming, which is good. It's it is like a lot of things on Wii U, actually. It's a very good game that just didn't get the recognition it deserved because it came out on Wii U. And it now... wasn't just that it came out on the Wii U. It came out on the Wii U right at the end of the Wii U's life as well. Yeah, when that's, nobody that's true, was yeah. Playing it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, was the switch announced by that point? I can't it remember. Was. It, was, it was, yeah, it was. yeah. yeah. Oh. That's probably because uh, I remember being hesitant about buying it, and I, I was really positive about the experience, but I was really hesitant. So I don't know why, but that explains it. the switch was already announced. It was a mm. dead console. We were all starving for something new. That makes sense. But the, I mean, the way it's always described, which is kind of well, technically is true, is that it's like a, a mashup of Persona and Fire Emblem. Which is kind of is true, but also doesn't really do justice to what it actually is, because it's the the well, the both both elements of it really are quite superficial, but especially the fire emblem stuff. But basically, it's just another Persona game, but with a different kind of new characters and different sort of framing, and pretty much the best one since Persona Four Golden. Um, I'd definitely go so better far. Than five. Yeah, better. I, I would. Def- I would go that far and say, um, it, was, it was weird playing Persona Five after playing Tokyo Mirage Sessions because there's a lot of similarities, and to the point where I suspect a lot of Tokyo Mirage Sessions was it came from stuff that was you know cut from Persona Five, and then they just picked up stuff off the cutting room floor and decided to make another game that ended up being better. I am I, I, 100% convinced I would put money on a bet that Tokyo Mirage Sessions started because Nintendo really needed a RPG or something. They needed a new game for their Wii U. And through discussions with Atlas or whatever, they realized that uh, there's this, perhaps this demo for a Persona game um, that they put together, some tech tech demo stuff mm. for it. And, or there was a scrapped Persona game that they didn't finish. And Nintendo's like, well, you know, Throw some Fire Emblem bits in there, and we'll you know we'll wrap it up, and we'll call it a, a Tokyo Mirage session. So I'm I'm 100% convinced that this game started out as a Persona game that got scrapped, and then Nintendo revived it um, to get an exclusive thing on the Wii U. 
Well, for the most part, you could really just replace the characters which are Fire Emblem characters with any characters. Like, it's not set in stone that it's a Fire Emblem for the Sona. Like, it really could have had yeah. any characters to fit any role. So, Well, yeah, and I mean, all the main characters are, are not Fire Emblem characters by any means. They're definitely Persona characters, the actual you know, protagonists and stuff. The Fire Emblem stuff is like the summons and, and things, and that's pretty minor like that really is that that's no different to you know your um personas in persona uh it's just you know a fire emblem coat of paint really which is good i mean i i don't i don't think of it as a fire emblem game at all which is the point i don't think it's a bad thing that it's not a fire emblem game at all i think it's perfectly good for what it is and i really love the um i love the way it kind of engages with various pop culture elements in japan um yeah the, the way it does the idol thing, the way it does the fashion photography thing, um, and you know it, the music scene, and um, all those kinds of aesthetic and thematic things, which are very—it's a very Japanese game, very very Japanese. Um, and it's, it's also cool. an extremely stylish game. Yeah, very. Like I don't think I've ever seen a game that where the UI just looks that good, and you could. I can sit there for an hour and just stare at the menu screen, like admiring just how well designed it is and how. An just hour like might, be, might be an exaggeration, but it's. It, Persona 5 looks bad next to, <laughs> next to it. Like, it's that good. And Persona 5 is not, not a bad looking game by any means. It, it's it's definitely like a weird grungy style in Persona 5. I, like, it, it's like how Matt hates, like, Splatoon style, the world ends with you style, all that kind of stuff. I, I feel like it's got it's good design for what it is, but I feel like it's a very confronting art style. I think Persona, Persona 5, five or Tokyo Persona Mario 5. Yeah, Persona 5 is definitely kind of a one of those really drenched in color color games, um, where everything is just so vibrant that it becomes it can I can see it becoming uh, overbearing for some people. Uh, I personally got along really well with the aesthetic of Persona 5. I thought it was quite gorgeous for all the other faults that it has, and it has an awful lot of other faults. Um, I, I don't have an issue with the visual style of it. But I do think that Tokyo Mirage Sessions is a little bit more, not flat, more neutral. Uh, a game that I think the aesthetics will appeal to a broader range of people rather than just that kind of person that really enjoys that drenched, uh, overbearing colour of Persona 5. What's your so, pick, Matt? You're only, my, you're, my you're only pick. get one. Yeah, Devils. I only get one. So yeah. Tokyo Mirage Sessions. <laughs> That's my pick. No, no. no you're, I, you're picking the SNES games. No, no. We're going to talk about the SNES games in the next section because that's worth a section all to itself. Um, no, I'm going to go really indie. Really, really indie. So can you guess which one that is? Does it involve sweary? No, actually. We'll have to talk about that a bit later on too. <laughs> uh, no, really indie, even more. Oh, Luke, Lucas Pope indie. Well, I oh, really I only thought oh, uh, that, yeah. Deadly Premonition was the only indie game. What 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 else did I miss? Was it, Ob was it Obra the game? Dinn. Yeah. Obra oh Dinn. yes, yes, that yes. Oh. I have I have badly so, wanted to play Obra Dinn for a long time now. I didn't really. Yeah, you know, I don't play games on PC much, and it's been a PC only title. But I was such a fan of Papers Paper Please that um. I really wanted to play, play this game. So I'm so happy to see it come to console, and um, I think it's going to be great. 
and I was really amused watching the feed as it was, you know, popping up. I was watching it live, and then all the the Twitch comment, no YouTube YouTube commenters that I was watching along with, they're all going, "Oh my God, it looks like a Game Boy game," and it's like, you idiots. But it does. It doesn't, but it does. That's why I just look at the, uh, the Twitter feed. It's more personalized to people which I hate <laughs> rather than uh, people on YouTube which I don't know and hate. <laughs> yeah. So if you haven't seen Oberdin before, it does kind of, I mean, it's got that black and white, uh, really early video game aesthetic, you know, lots of dots, lots of pixels. It looks more like, um, I guess, one of those early Mac games to me um, yeah. in, in its design. And I think it's it's done really beautifully. I mean, it's obviously a much more advanced game than that, and it's uh, done deliberately, and it's an aesthetic choice, and it's gorgeous. And this is a detective kind of supernatural uh, investigate, investigative kind of story-driven game. Uh, it's very, from what I've heard, it's very good. <laughs> it's very Lucas Pope, and, you know, he did do Papers, Please, so... I think I think the last time I played it or saw any footage was that one time we were at PAX together and we looked at the booth and it was there and we're like oh that's cool and that was the that that was the last time I like even like even when it launched it di- it didn't really click to me that it had launched so it sort of just went under the radar after then like it was like oh this is really cool I'm really excited for it and then it's like oh is it even out. But now it's on the Switch, I'm picking it up, definitely. I don't think that has much to do with the quality of the game. I think that's more just Lucas Pope doesn't do <laughs> PR. Um, I remember when we were at that PAX thing, Lucas was actually there, but he was just sitting in the corner just doing nothing and not even trying to get, <laughs> get people to pay attention to his game. He doesn't do press press much. Um, he just relies, I guess, on people discovering his games and, and talking about them. I don't know if that's just because he can't be bothered or he's you know a bit of an introvert but whatever the reason yeah he's not good at pr out in his games but hopefully you know with a console release this one gets a new wave of attention because everything i have read about it is very positive indeed on that note we're going to go to some music what are we going to listen to i'm going to throw it at matt pick a song matt Um. (laughs) i like doing this We'll, we'll pick, pick something from Tokyo Mirage Sessions. Okay, good stuff. I'll just add something. It's all good music anyway. Yeah. It's very stylish. All right, Tokyo Mirage Sessions.
And welcome back. Okay, so one of the other big announcements uh, from this uh, Switch Direct thing, uh, Nintendo Direct thing, was that uh, Super NES games have come to the Switch for people that are members of that Nintendo Online Club thing. What do they call it? Nintendo? It's just Nintendo Online, isn't it? Yeah, Nintendo Switch Online, I think. Yeah, Nintendo Switch Online. So if you're a member of Nintendo Switch Online, you would know that you get a new NES game to play every month or whatever, uh, a couple of new NES games. And that library, I think, is up to about 48 games or whatever. Um, Nintendo's finally listened to all the fans and has dropped the Super NES onto the console as well. And on top of that, they did a pretty good job of launching it with um, 20, 20 games to play, which are all available right now if you are a subscriber to the Nintendo Online. Uh, and those games are a pretty good range, I have to say. Yeah. Am I wrong? Yeah, I'm, I'm no, right. You're it's not wrong. Pretty good. You're not wrong. <laughs> it's a pretty good range. It's got a bit of everything. There's um, there's a Breath of Fire, so if you're into your RPGs, that's there. Uh, there's platformers, of course. Yoshi's Island. Good game. And, yeah, that's a good game. game indeed. There's Zelda, of course, the great Zelda that everybody has fond nostalgias for. And then there's some odd ones, some very niche things that I hadn't even played. Um, what's that Brawler one that's there? Uh, I can't remember what it's called. There's something called uh, Brawl Brothers. Brawl Brothers, I've, that's I've the never, one. I've never, never heard of it before, This, but I've, that was funny you mentioned that because I am just playing with my switch while we're on the podcast and i've just loaded it up to see what it was yeah so that's a surprise surprise it's a brawler yeah it's side scrolling brawler which is pretty neat um from the five minutes i've played of it i hadn't heard of it before either um there is the lesser known entry into the ghouls and ghosts goblins and ghosts whatever series from capcom that one where he plays the gargoyle what's it called demon's crest that's there that's That's, yeah i had never heard of that before yeah, so in that one you well. actually play as yeah you play as the gargoyle. Yeah. Um, so I've played a little bit of that. It seems really cool. Yeah, it's really nice. Really gorgeous art. Very nice. It's reminding me of how good the Super NES games actually could look. Actually, mm. um, yeah, and there's the it, it's a good range. I'd say there's a bit of everything in there for everybody, and I'm pretty happy with it to be honest. Star Fox. Star Fox is there too. Yes. Yes. And Star, no Star Fox FX. Actually, no, I'm going to take it back. I'm pissed off because SimCity's not on there. <laughs> yeah, I think that's a fair thing. I think SimCity should have been a launch guy game. You know what's even worse, though, is Nintendo said that the games are no longer going to be, um, you know, weekly or whatever. They're going to just, or monthly or however they're done. They're just randomly going up here. Yes, Nintendo did say that. So, like I said earlier on at the start, um, Nintendo's been dropping what is it, two or three NES games each month, basically, for people to play. Uh, going forwards, it's going to happen irregularly, which means whenever Nintendo has something to share, I guess, which is a little bit disappointing. I think part of the value of that system was getting something new to play every month, and I think that in not doing that, Nintendo's... I mean, there'll be months where people feel like they're just not getting their value for their membership as such. Um so that's an odd one. And I'm also really disappointed that it is still only the two consoles. I wrote a piece about this on Digitally Downloaded. Um, I really do think that for the system to work as an archive of kind of Nintendo nostalgia, it really needs Game Boy, Game Boy Advanced and Nintendo 64 stuff there as well. All of which the Switch can easily handle. But 
for whatever reason, Nintendo is sticking to its guns and not of being quite limited in terms of its approach to the console range, which is odd because, I mean, everybody knows Nintendo is so great because it has such a deep library of uh, historical content and um, it's got such a such a heritage in so many different consoles. It, it really does surprise me that they're not working to embrace that more with this system. <laughs> Unless they're having issues with the emulation, or it's just so like. Um, well, that can't be the case because there are so many. There are so many Game Boy games that are actually on the Switch now already, thanks to the um, Konami stuff, like and also the collection of Mana. Like it can't be that hard to emulate a Game Boy game. Well, when where their already... whole thing is trying to make it like instantaneous. Maybe there's an issue with it's instant in, in instant out that sort of thing with it i don't know it just seems weird like virtual console was like that it was really really slow and then suddenly it was a flood then it became really, really slow again like it could also just be licensing as well but yeah that's more logical well <laughs> license, licensing wouldn't apply to just nintendo's games yeah i don't see final fantasy on this particular service but I think all the all the SNES Final Fantasies are coming to Switch at some point anyway. I, I think what we said last week anyway is that what we really need is a Game Boy um, virtual console. I'm going to just go and call it a virtual console for now. A Game Boy one on the Switch and then have the Game Boy Advance ones there and then just have all the Final Fantasy games which ever released on the Game Boy Advance on it and then we'd have the best Final Fantasy games. Yeah, Square, Square Enix yeah. is not going to give away its Final Fantasy games. That's just not going to happen. That's too valuable to it. Not when it can just throw out a really bad port with crappily redone sprites and still <laughs> still earn a billion dollars from it. So, yeah, that's that's not going to happen. Uh, it was a bit of a miracle that there was a Final Fantasy game on the Super NES Mini at all, to be honest. Um, but there is certainly other stuff that they can get, some more minor stuff. I mean, how good would it be if... Ogre Battle was on this system. Ooh. That's a game yeah. that Square Enix has forgotten about, so it can't be worth too much to them. <laughs> they could they could just stick it on there just to show support for Nintendo. Um, and there's heaps of other RPGs that were released on the Super NES. So yeah, yeah. so so many good games. Maybe maybe this is the the chance to finally release uh, Bahamut Lagoon in English. Yes. <laughs> Yes, there, there's so many. There's so much that can be done. And I, I actually think, I know people have been critical of this online system because you have to pay money and previously you'd only get your NES games to play. There's actually so much potential for this because this is oh. one area where Nintendo really is different to its competitors. It has that retro stuff and its fans love that stuff. And it's it's really odd that they don't do more. I mean, in an ideal world, I would suggest that Nintendo should release three to four games per month, and it should be one Game Boy, one NES, one Super NES, one N64 or whatever, and they should do it every month. Yeah. Maybe you can't do that with the N64. There's only about 10 games released on that console. But, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm personally not that concerned about it not being monthly anymore, I think. I don't have any, have any particular reason. I just <laughs> is get the games when they, when they come out, and I think they're I think especially compared to NES games, SNES games are substantial enough and 
I feel like they've aged a lot better. Um, mm. And so, I mean, for me, with before now with the um, NES Switch Online stuff, every month I'd go and play each new game for like 30 seconds, and then that was about the extent of it, mm-hmm. the extent of what I'd do with it. And so having their monthly was kind of fit into that in a, in a weird sort of way where I could have something to look forward to and then play it and then forget about it whereas i think i'll actually play the snares games a lot more and um spend more actual time with them so i won't be it's not like i'm going to be sitting here waiting for something new to do because yeah oh for sure i mean i i spent four hours just playing super mario kart yesterday <laughs> uh all over again and that's about the billionth time i've played super mario kart to death um but i i love that game so much and, and you are right they are much more substantial games and the fact that there's 20 of them on there including ones that i've never played before that that's months of entertainments right there months of content so much content. About the content but i don't know i still just purely from a, a library and archival point of view, there's just so much stuff that Nintendo has that I would ache to replay given half the chance. And yeah, there is 60, 68 games, I think, in total now, if you're a subscriber. So you can't really complain about the raw amount of value you get from it. But... I think fans are just annoyed that at the end of the day, they're getting the same games which they had on the Wii, the same games they had on the Wii U. Like it just, it's just the same collection over and over and over, drip, drip fed it to people. Like they, I think it's, they want things yeah. to be released a lot more quicker and a lot more newer games or games they've never seen before on the, either other platforms. So what you're saying is Nintendo fans are basically unreasonable and irrational. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah but... <laughs> Possibly. Well, I mean, also there's there is a lot of stuff that hasn't been on on there before, like the the Demon's Crest and um that brawler game and the Japan only Puyo Puyo is, and I think I I don't I can't remember exactly what was on the NES collection, but there's a lot of stuff there as well that hadn't been on any even even the sports game services. stuff. In yeah. the sports games, there's two of them on there. There's uh, Super Tennis and Super Soccer. Is that what they call yeah. or football? Yeah, Super, Whatever. Super Soccer. Super Soccer. So those sports two ball. games, yeah, those two games are actually good. Um, I know, you know, uh, a, a lot of people tend to ignore sports games because you have to be a certain audience, I guess, for them. But those are actually quite good sports games, and they haven't been available beforehand. So they, it's good that they're there. Especially the tennis one. I actually really enjoy that tennis one. I'm terrible at it. I lose a lot, but it's good fun. Yeah, I think I think I mean I feel like they do have a do a really good job of balancing like the stuff like Super Metroid that you kind of they don't really have an option of not having on there, even though everyone's played it a billion times, and it's still fun when you play it for the billionth and first time. Um, but I think they're balancing out stuff like that with. Yeah, the stuff that isn't actually quite obscure. What's that one? There was a one, I think it might be a platformer, but the cover art is like dinosaurs and prehistoric people and stuff. Oh, yeah. I can't uh, remember what jo- it's Joe and Mac 2, Lost yeah. in the Tropics. Yeah. Is that like an Adventure Island clone? 
I have never played it before. Uh, I didn't even know it existed. So that's another one that I'm quite keen on. I think it's Orgelico, isn't it? It's the, These are Orgelico games. For some reason, Nintendo or somebody has managed to get Nintendo the license for publishing, republishing a lot of these old Jalico games. I think that's yeah. where this comes from. Because the brawlers are Jalico. Yeah. Which is good, because Jalico is a no longer existing company. So the fact that those games are available is the only way you're going to get to play them, which is, yeah. yeah. I didn't really. Maybe that's why they. It's easier to get licensing rights because nobody. Uh, with games, licensing can either be really easy for defunct companies, or it can be an absolute nightmare. <laughs> that's um, true. Some some games we'll just never see again because the you know there's about thirty different owners in the game and half of them are dead and yeah, <laughs> it's just it, it's just not worth the effort. So anyway. Super NES, go, it's good. Um, if you're not yet a member of Direct, it's cheap anyway. Um, not Direct, uh, Nintendo Online, it's pretty cheap. It's like 10 bucks a month or something, isn't it? It's not that bad. And um, like It's less than it even. Yeah, so, and, and you get, like I said, 68-odd games to play between the NES and Super NES, so do it. And, oh, we should quickly mention, you can also get the Super Nintendo controller, which is neat. Nintendo announced a Super... Nintendo controller which works with the Switch so you can play the games as they were originally designed to be played um, which is cool and we'll go to some music from Trent pick a Super NES game that's on Super that NES list. game on that's that on, list yeah. on, on, the, on the list of games hold on let me just look at the list we'll let's go with some, some kind of Star Fox retro Star Fox Star Fox music yes we've never had that on the podcast before okay done
And we're back. So for the last section of the podcast, we're going to do a deep dive, to use the suit-wearing technical term for it, um, into one particular game, or I guess two, really, that was announced at the um, at the Direct, and that is Deadly Premonition. It's back, which is great, because Deadly Premonition is amazing. These games were... Oh, so... The first Deadly Premonition is available as of right now. They announced it and then dropped it on the same day, which is always a good fun thing to do with Nintendo, um, with, with Directs. There's always one or two surprises that just land and you can just enjoy them straight away. So, uh, yeah, Deadly Premonition is there right now. You can download it and enjoy it. And the other one is Deadly Premonition 2 is happening. So, um, Swery, Hidetaka Swerhiro, um, got his act together and he's making a second one for us, which is amazing. Uh, I don't think anybody expected there would ever, ever be a deadly premonition to, uh, I know you're a big fan of deadly premonition, Matt. Why? Um, I'm going to disagree with you there and say, I'm not a big fan of deadly oh, premonition. Okay. Um, mostly because I've never played it. <laughs> really? I thought I, you had. I, it's something that I know that I feel like I would enjoy. And, um, but I've just never have because of I don't even no I think I've got it got it on PC but it's I've never got around to actually playing it and everyone says the I don't like playing I prefer playing games on consoles when I can and apparently all the console ports of it over the years have been terrible and for various reasons so yeah I just never have played it even though I know it's something I will enjoy but now now that it's on Switch I finally I will actually get around to playing it. It's um, it is a very you game, Matt. It's very anti game. <laughs> I like it's, that. Yeah, it's 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 famous for being one of the most polarizing games ever, where people either have a one out of ten response to it or a ten out of ten response to it. You can go and check the Metacritic out to see that for proof. Um, that but, was um, that was one of the the selling points in the um, press release for it. That oh came yeah, out they after definitely. The direct. That was yeah, that, the kind of the whole point. Hey, did, play this game that everyone hated. No, it's not so much that everybody hated it. It's just that it is very, very polarizing. And a lot of people absolutely do hate it. And that is definitely something they kind of take pride in. <laughs> um, and you would, I guess, because it, there are people that absolutely love Deadly Premonition, people like me who think of the world of it. Or um, I was really amused to see our good mate Jim Sterling's reaction on Twitter <laughs> um, to Deadly Premonition because he's a massive fan of Deadly Premonition as well. Um, and I guess that kind of goes to the kind of people that would find Deadly Premonition enjoyable. It's that oddball, very unique type of game that doesn't necessarily play well. In fact, it plays pretty terribly. It's not just the console ports. It's just not a very well-playing game. And it has all kinds of really odd elements, like um, there's an open... It's an open-world thing for absolutely no reason. It doesn't need to be, uh, and it doesn't do anything with the open world. But at the same time, um, it kind of needs it because it's so pointless. Um, <laughs> it's a very it's a very surrealistic kind of open world. And, yeah, it, it's got these kind of conversations, like the dialogue in the game is... It's one of those things that you either get or you do not get on any level. So there's like a 10-minute conversation where the lead character talks about um, how well-made the biscuit that he's eating at the police station is. 
because it's a homemade biscuit and he's he goes in depth about you know how good the butter content is compared to <laughs> the sugar and how crumbly it is and he has this long digression about this this biscuit and you know you can just tell that a lot of people would be playing this game going well, what the hell I'm playing a horror game and why is he talking about a biscuit but <laughs> it really goes to the tone of the game it's very oddball it's very Twin Peaks uh, style Trent and the video game it's great I love it. I love <laughs> how I love how surrealistic it is. I love how um, tonally inconsistent it is, but in a deliberate way to to really mess with you. And it's it's a one of a kind game for sure. It'd be interesting to see how Swery is able to follow on with that with Deadly Premonition too, because on top of assuming that there would never be one because it was such a polarizing game that didn't particularly sell well, uh, I also assume that. The creative energy for that game was was um, done in the first, and it didn't really need a sequel. But in saying that, I thought the same about Twin Peaks, and there is a sequel to Twin Peaks. So, yeah, definitely an interesting, interesting game, and good on Nintendo for getting it on the Switch. I think it's exclusive, isn't it? The second one, the, the Premonition Two. Nobody really knows. At this <laughs> stage, I think they. Um... No, like the, the the publishers have haven't said anything either way, and so it's that, which means it probably is not. But they had an agreement with Nintendo to announce it for Switch first. Um, part of me hopes it is exclusive, just because a lot of people are getting unreasonably upset at the possibility of it being exclusive. <laughs> or and... if it is if it isn't going to be not exclusive, then the only other platform it's on is uh, the Epic Game Store. That would make <laughs> me very happy. <laughs> that would make yes. me so happy. <laughs> I, I, I could see it being like a PC release, like maybe after the Switch is released or like close to it saying, hey, it's also going to be on PC, but in six months time, like maybe it's like a timed exclusive. But uh, yeah, it's definitely not the same vibe as like people um, complaining about the exclusivity like um, Astral Chain does. It's like, it's not on my cl- platform I play. All oh, the Astral Chain stuff is bizarre. Like, yeah. it's li- literally a Nintendo game like that Nintendo licensed and create and owns the IP for. And, and published, for. yeah. Yeah, and published. exactly. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's yeah. not coming to PS4, guys. Sorry. <laughs> uh, every, every conversation about Astral Train, Chain is surreal in its absolute weirdness. Like, I've been right tuned into the conversation, the ongoing conversation about how bad the game is because you play as a cop and the cop's not a bad person. And I was like, this is, this is just one very weird conversation that's going on and on and isn't stopping. Um... Yeah, it's that. That's a. It's a very. It, it it's weird because. I don't know. It's weird because it, it's like the the game, and nobody's talking about anything to do with the game. <laughs> like it, it, everybody's talking around it in in stuff that doesn't really okay, have any. Okay, let's sidetrack to Astral Chain. Let's talk about how shit the final boss is. Like, seriously. No, no, no. I'm going to rant here now. Okay, so I was playing the game. I was enjoying the game. I was really excited for the game. I got up to, like, the end boss. And the first t- the first bit of information, which I knew that the end boss is going to be the most polarizing, badly designed piece of shit ever, was when there was a pointless section which you literally have to jump from rock to rock to rock to rock. And if you fall off any of those rocks... You're back at the start of the rocks. There's at least 20 of them. 
So if you fall off at, say, the 19th or whatever rock, you're now at the start of the whole section. Now, part of it was my fault. It's, I admit I should it. have been using the sword guy who has the longer jump, but it I'm still gonna, was really crap. And I'm then inter- interrupt you there and say that it's not entirely true because, I mean, I, I also I did not enjoy that section, but the, the checkpoint, there's a checkpoint kind of every five or six rocks. I right. know this because I fell off basically every rock. All right. Well, I didn't notice this because I kept going back to the start. I'm like, why am I back at the start? It just seemed like the how, start how every single time. Yeah, I think it all kind of just looks the same as also yeah. part of the... Okay. Well, our next bad brand is... All right, so there's a checkpoint right before like the final form of the boss, and it's like a new chapter sort of thing. I'm like, awesome. I'll get all my health back because I was down to like three or five health life things. And no, my health didn't resume. So I've got like low health i've got no health revival things so i can't physically complete the game because my character is so unhealthy it just like when i'm playing i get right to the end and then like the boss starts doing that roll attack where it absorbs you and that suddenly it's got like walls and then like near the end i keep getting sucked into it so i suddenly lose all my health really quickly i can't revive myself so then i die and i'm like ah oh. so that's where i'm up to with astral chain and while i'll never finish it platinum games has never had a good end boss <laughs> Um, <laughs> All of their games have a have a really crappy end boss. Near Automata's end boss was terrible. I so can't remember what the end boss. Of, you can't I, even, I can't even remember what it was. I'm trying to remember what it was. <laughs> it was the guy, um, and you're in the swirling vortex of doom, and um, he's throwing <laughs> stuff down at you from above and and stuff. Like you're you're in that tornado in the destroyed city. Oh, yeah. oh, that's right, yeah. And he's just a terrible boss. It's not necessarily hard. Not like Astral yeah. Chain's boss is difficult, but he's just terrible. I, I don't think Platinum Games knows how to finish their games, to be honest. I think yeah. they go to all the effort to create the, the great action context, and uh, they actually do a good job with the kind of the bosses along the way, but they just don't know how to finish without escalating it to a point where either it's it's too irritating to be fun or it's just completely you know not memorable. Um so, uh, uh, Bayonetta's the same. Um, both Bayonetta games have terrible end bosses, just not interesting. My only advice I can give you, Trent, is to change it down to the Unchained mode, which gives you, among other things, unlimited revives. But I got so close to the end, and I, we're and playing in casual mode. <laughs> <laughs> well, just play it on the no difficulty mode just to enjoy the ending. Yeah. <laughs> just that way you get closure. Yeah. And, and isn't there like post game like stories as well? I don't know. Point yeah. is, I, I may never finish that game. Like, near. I, I feel like I don't, I don't know where I got up to in Ultima, Ultimata. I, 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 like, I do. I was up to. There was a definitely a destroyed city. There was definitely a hole in the ground. I definitely saw those weird like robot things which had their own little tree village. Like, so I got somewhat far in it, but I don't know. I don't know if I finished that either. Did you get to the Mad Cult? Yeah, the cult in like the the, the Disneyland area. No, 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 no. That's just the that's the village of the robots. Did you get to the actual oh. cult? Oh, I don't know. There, there was well, no. Is were they in the desert? There were people in the des- desert, right? No, no. It's a cult of robots, and they worship you. You wouldn't remember. You'd know the scene I'm talking about just from when I said the cult. Yeah. I mean, Matt. No. Matt knows, no, right? Yeah. The cult. I feel like yeah, you yeah, didn't yeah. get to the cult. 
Yeah, well, the number two. Yep, that's the one. You didn't quite. You you had a good at least a third of the game still to go. Mm. But um, you should go back and finish it sometime. That's a good game, except for the end boss. That's a good game. Anyway, um, that was an interesting digression. Back to Deadly Premonition <laughs> by by the original. In fact, uh, I actually want should mention at time of recording, uh, there are apparently some issues with the the um, the switch version of Deadly Premonition that they're looking to patch out. Um, I don't believe it's as bad as, say, Bloodstained was. But <laughs> I, I believe that um, the recommendation right now is to perhaps hold just for that patch to come. But anyway, um, it'll me, come. I already, I already bought swear- it. I haven't, I haven't started playing it, but I already bought it. Sweary, Sweary promised that it's coming, so, you know, trust Sweary. He's a good guy. And on that note, we'll go to some music. I don't know if Deadly Premonition has music, but I think it does. Um, I'll find something. Something Deadly Premonition. If if not, then um, there won't be any something music, for, and it'll just fade something out. Something from a Sweary game. Maybe like a, a Good Life. That, that's a good game when it comes out, when it's on Kickstarter eventually. Uh, and, and also, a weird digression, I have the best version of uh, Deadly Premonition. I have the board game. Everyone should go out and buy the board game. Oh, yes, there is a board game. Yes, I've heard good things about that. So, yeah, definitely. All right, Deadly Premonition music. See you all next week. Thank you.